Some cults are good, most cults are bad, but I'll tell you what really makes me sad. I can't decide which cult to join. If only there were a podcast out there to rank all the cults using some sort of bracket system like they do for basketball playoffs for college teams. It's madness, madness. Hello. Marceline the cat would like to welcome you to Madness Madness. Marceline. I had to hold Marceline down. Marceline is a very fluffy cat that mm-hmm. has very fluffy bloomers. Mm-hmm. And I had to cut her, hold her down and cut with the safety scissors that I have <laughs> in my bedside table drawer used for cutting off like plastic like clothing tags. You yes. know? I had to hold her down and cut the like poo crust spots. Oh, that's always nice. Off of her butt fur. Now she's mad. Because sometimes she gets up in the bed and is like, my eyes are watering. <laughs> With the do sage. not sit down. Uh-huh. She's mad because you're airing our dirty, her dirty laundry. <laughs> her dirty bloomer laundry. Dirty, dirty bloomers. Freddy, Fred and Zone, my big fat cat, <laughs> he digs like a dog and mm-hmm. rolls around in dirt. Mm-hmm. And he likes to go out into the backyard. I only, let, I only let them out when like I go out and then they go out in the backyard. And so he goes and finds a big thing of dirt and then he'll pee in it and then he'll and then he'll lie next to it and then just like grub around in it with his paws in the pee dirt in the he'll like cover up a little bit of it and then just like keep sticking his feet in there it's like his head is very small and i he's not bright i think his brain is Uh, and then he also likes to drink out of the bathtub and so sometimes he'll jump up on the bed in the middle of the night and like put a wet paw on my face and i'm like no 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 freddy no oh god no So. I'm actually just looking at the the mic sleeve here, and I'm seeing it's pretty covered in cat hair. It, it is. And there's it looks like some bite marks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what those are. That's it. Hey, welcome to Madness Madness. Welcome to Madness Madness, you guys. Where this, this last week was shitty. Kind of. Oh, not enough. Not pe- unusually shitty. <laughs> Brian, yeah, uh, just, yeah. we, we don't have enough people to work the podcast, so state employees have been uh, <laughs> uh, authorized by the governor to come and substitute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so <clears throat> it'll be the more police... This be, tonight's episode will be hosted by a more policeman with a QAnon thermos. And a fucking gun. Yeah, and uh, Janine from the DMV. <laughs> Janine, Janine retired from the GMV last DMV. year, and she she just wants to keep busy. She just wants to keep her hand in. She does. She likes to keep busy. She does. She <laughs> Marceline busy. is really getting up on uh, Brian's microphone. <laughs> she, uh, she Marceline uh, hates the sound of the recorded human voice. She does. Powerfully, really. Like, she yeah, hates like music. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she hates music too. But but if yeah, if you just like turn a video on on your phone, mm-hmm. she will come up to you like you like the house is on fire and you haven't noticed. You it. need to yeah. stop this right now. Yeah, <clears throat> she's super cute. Though. Here, I'm gonna take a picture. I love of her. her very much. She's very sweet and she's things. super staticky. She's so Aww. soft. There we go. A beauty. We'll put this on the. On the socials. On the socials. Uh, on the socials. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's... <laughs> What's it? At There's this point, yeah, I'm you know, like... Just, just cat talk. It was cold. cat talk. It warm, it's cold, and, and now the sun's out, and... It's nice now. If these cults oh, weren't so fucking bad, then part of me would be like, yeah, okay, let's go. For, yeah. For real now. For, for real now. 
<laughs> yeah, no. Well, I think one thing that we have learned after a year of our like, let's join a cult because we're bored is I can't go any of these places. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's like you've already determined the winner and indeed that is the only good cult. That was mm-hmm. that was really the only one. Uh-huh. But the, if they're still listening, I'm so glad. Unarius. Unarius, baby. Forever. Yeah, we'll say hi to all of our folks. Yes. Richie, love you. Dan's not here this week, but he's catching up. He texted me earlier <sighs> today Dan. and he said, finally catching up. I thought that move would be an exercise cult, but I was wrong. I was like, yes, Dan, you were. <laughs> yes, you were, sir. Uh, hello okay. to Faith what and is- Wales. Faith and Wales. We haven't heard from Team Faith, Faith and Family. Faith and Team Faith and Family sent me a, a <laughs> slid into my DMs to wish us a happy podcast anniversary. Happy podcast anniversary. So thank you, Faith. Thank you. I do. I think about y'all all the time. If you have ever written into us, I think about you, mm-hmm. even if I haven't written back. Yeah. And or if I, you haven't written lately, Coach, some of you. I know. Right? And Isle of Man guy, uh, if you haven't <laughs> Douglas, written to Douglas, us. Douglas, Isle of Man, I don't know if you were you. a guy or not. We just call you That's Douglas. That's true. I, I call I, you I Douglas. Just, I, I just see realized, you. yeah, uh-huh. I just Every was assuming week. Douglas. <clears throat> Every week. We love you guys. If you're listening, it really, it helps me get through my week for sure. It does. It is nice. Uh-huh. And it is something to look forward to and something to do. For real. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Something to look forward to and something to do. It's the bottom of the barrel, you guys. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we hope that we is, provide you with something to look forward to and something to do as well. That That's right. Absolutely our tagline from now on. <laughs> something, something to, to look, look forward, forward to. to. And something to and do. Something to do. do. I'm going to get a t-shirt. I'm going to put that on our t-shirt list. <laughs> okay. Mm. So you ready for some fun? I am. I don't I'm have any. Always but <laughs> Bummer. Bummer. Yeah, my, my cult this week... Uh, has good stuff in it, but it's also like extremely serious. Oh God, that's <laughs> uh, yeah. When I got into it, I was like, mm, but I found good things. Does it, do they hate women? Uh, women are not mentioned at any point. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, technically, so, a step up, I guess. Maybe? maybe that's right. Nobody needs to uh, grab both of their balls and shout "fuck it." So <laughs> we're already on a path. Let me tell you. What if I grab both of your balls and shout "fuck it"? That's that's up to you. <laughs> it's your dime. Bitch, I might. It's your dime. But yes, this week we are headed back to Japan. Oh, good. Right. With a cult that forms a triad. See what I did there? Oh, with, two, with our other two. We've had wacky anime, happy science. Right. We have had murderous, unhappy science with Om mm-hmm. Shinrikyo. Mm-hmm. And now we are going to explore a third time of Japanese cult, which has managed to mainstream its way right into the mainstream okay say by being extremely serious oh god japan you don't need that they don't need that well they got this guy let me tell you soka gakai okay a a phrase which means value creating society is (laughs) (laughs) okay yes yes. it's it's an unusual name for a little boy but go on (laughs) (laughs) is an offshoot of nichiren buddhism more on that in a moment okay and was it invented in the 1930s this cult was founded in the 1930s and currently has a fairly high position in the Japanese government because the Japanese government be like that. <laughs> I guess so. Remember how you can, uh, if you have it, there are 235,000 registered religions in Japan. Okay. Because Uh-oh. remember, if you register your religion, then you are immune to like prosecution and investigation and stuff like that. That is... I mean, even compared to American religion getting out of trouble laws, that right. is extreme. That is extreme. <laughs> yeah, there, churches in America can eventually get to a point where you need to investigate them and they get <laughs> Prosecutions happen. Prosecutions yeah. happen, but not in Japan. No, mm-hmm. dear. 
So, something I, guess, that guy. I wonder if, I don't know, I wonder if it's sort of like the, the insanely low crime rate there, just like, well, that would be wrong. <laughs> I, I wonder. Well, the Why insanely would... low crime rate in Japan is because... Uh, crime is rude. <laughs> because they will arrest the first person and lock them up for life. Yeah. And it's on you to prove it. Yeah, well, then prove you didn't do it. Bye. Mm-hmm. And they also don't arrest and prosecute people unless they can absolutely 100%, 100% prove that they prove did it. that they did it. Yeah, so they're low crime. It has many, you know, they don't have a lot of guns, which helps. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Stuff like that. But it, it's, there are other factors to the extremely low crime rate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, they, there's no crime going on here. But, okay. Okay. <clears throat> So yes, Sokagakai was founded in 1930 by a teacher whose name was Tsunetsaburo Makiguchi. Makiguchi. Okay. Please pardon all of my pronunciations. Uh, I do watch a lot of anime with my child, and maybe I'm getting better, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. That. Yeah. So he, this guy, Makiguchi, devoted his time and efforts to the relationship between life and education. He's not a bad guy. Okay. Uh, he developed these theories on soka making value in the community mm-hmm. value which can be like i create art and things like that not like maybe it was interpreted to be later okay so he was a teacher who really was a teacher and he taught and then he was like became a nichiren buddhist and he's like i'm gonna do this other thing mm-hmm. and it, to create happiness and value in society mm-hmm. in june 28th he became a Convert to Nichiren Buddhist Shoshu Buddhism. Wait, on June twenty eighth. What? June nineteen twenty eight. Okay, <laughs> June of twenty eight. Sorry. Yeah. June twenty eighth of this year. Oh, wow. Yep. No. June of twenty eight. Last June. <laughs> he became a Nichiren Buddhist, and then he uh, developed it. Okay. Okay. Uh, do 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 do. Eventually, he. Decreed he had absolute faith in Nichiren, who is a real person, uh, and that faith in any other religious teaching was, by definition, an evil practice that needs to be eradicated. Okay. He started having no sympathy for freedom of religion because <laughs> that was just leading people astray, and they really need to come back and learn that this is the true faith. Buddhism? <laughs> no. Nichiren Buddhism. And then Sokogakai. As we will find out. And so now we're going to go on our brief Nichiren Buddhism sidebar, brought to us by the fine, fine people who made an anime called Nichiren's Life. I'm Helen um, Keller. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) My kid, who is kind of anime, kind of into anime, and I said, watch this with me. And the instant it started, she said, all right, I can tell this is crap. Anime people don't have nostrils. (laughs) uh, She is not wrong. This had a very... This did not look and feel like an anime. It had the look and feel of an American cartoon that was made in Japan. Okay. I'm specifically thinking of a really bizarre adaptation I had to watch once of A Christmas Carol. And it was just really weird. And it, it <laughs> it's the difference between an anime, which is very stylized, right. and this is a 1970s or 80s animation. From Japan. From Japan, right. So okay, Buddhism is Buddhism, mm-hmm. which was founded by uh, Siddhartha, the mm-hmm. Buddha, and is practiced by many, many people around the world. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Buddhists believe that the lo- human life is one of suffering, meditation, spiritual and physical labor, and good behavior will help you achieve enlightenment mm-hmm. or nirvana. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, there are some other kinds of Buddhism. One was founded by a guy named Nichiren Daishonin, who was born in 1222. Okay. And in this anime, he kind of looks like a kid. And we see an old man and a kid with an overlarge head go meet a man who kind of looks like Ed Asner, but is in fact Nichiren Daishonin. Well, yeah. 
He reveals to him that he has discovered the key to enlightenment, which is something called the Lotus Sutra. And I wouldn't go into this if you didn't need to know. Okay. A sutra is a rule or an aphorism from which you learn, and then you can slash should chant it over and over. In my extreme ignorant simplisticness, Lotus, 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 Lotus. I know, a Lotus <laughs> man, he owns a Lotus man. He sells most anything from Lotuses on down. Someday I'll change his life. I'll be his Lotus wife. Hot dog, I love that Lotus man. Lotus, 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 Lotus. Absolutely not. Dang it. Man. In my extreme simplisticness, it seems like praying the rosary, that you repeat okay. it over and over again as part of your religious devotion. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair analogy. Yeah. yeah. There are many, but he discovered the power of the Lotus Sutra, and that chant is Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. I can see how you would trance out if you said right. that. Right, and you trance out. I, I saw lots of videos of people trancing out. And this reminds me on the way over here, I was being <laughs> pissy at the girls. And so I wouldn't let them listen to their music and force them to nice. my nice. <laughs> we had to listen to, and then along came John. And then he turned on the buzz. Oh, I loved that song when I was a kid. So I don't know what their problem is. Jones. No shit. But I but on the way over here we heard So yes, Nam Yoho Renge Kyo is the Lotus Sutra. It's not German. It's not no German. For and for real, the whole movie is like a Japanese chick tract in both style and substance. There's lots of lecturing. Soon after arriving at Nichiren's house, the big headed boy goes out in the woods and prays at the grave of his mother, father, sister, and brother who were all murdered. Oh, God. And Nichiren Jesus. comes out and tells him that it was so good of him to be a dutiful son, honoring his family, and it's sad that they're all going to, they're all in hell for practicing the wrong kind of Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> but you can avoid that fate. I don't not, worry. I, first of all, I didn't realize that Buddhists had hell. <laughs> I don't think they do. I well, mean, this one does. Okay. Yeah. This dude came up with one, I guess. We can oh, send back Buddhists there. Great. Uncool. But the good news is that by chanting the Lotus Sutra, you can spring them from super gay turbo hell. Uh-huh. Kind of like Mormon Jew retro Jew <gasps> baptism. Oh, yes, God. That can. is illegal. <laughs> that is evil. But it's yes, wrong you, can, you can chant. Okay. and get people out of hell well since it's not real i guess that makes perfect sure. sense <laughs> at one point a girl joins their little group and nichiren talks to them and tells them to live their best lives and he says to the girl you have the power to bear children go and do that and to the like boy, now? you know how to chant the lotus sutra so go and do that there is lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of just like talking over a dinner table kind of thing. Okay. It, <laughs> this is not very dynamic, you guys. Super confusing. No. Like if you had to listen to an hour-long sermon, which occasionally digressed into genealogy lectures. Oh. So, yeah. That's, oh, my, that's my thumbnail of Nichiren Buddhism because that's the best I could do. Okay. So I do have to say I love historical traditional Japanese men's hat styles. Oh, yeah. They all just oh, like, amazing. I have an origami thing perched on my head. It's got a really long <laughs> feather in it. Was a little kid with a big head bald? Yes. So... And at one point he cried and his mouth became a giant rectangle. Oh, what? wow, wow. See, I just... That's, that's weird. Um, I don't know. That makes me want to think of that in terms of, like, it's the great Nietzsche Ren Charlie Brown. <laughs> I think that that is not wrong. I think this that, that is sucks. not wrong. Yes. 
So anyway, Soka Gakkai is a modern take on Nichiren Buddhism, focusing specifically on the Lotus Sutra and how if you chant it and chant it, you will create value for society. Okay. And also for <laughs> yourself. You can chant it to get your relatives out of hell. If You can chant it if you need a new car. No you shit. Just, it's, again, it's like, I'm going to pray about okay. this thing that I need, and then you chant. I love that your relative gets to be a huge fuck-up and then just like sitting down there in hell like, come on, come keep on. chanting. That's right. I'm get just, me out of here. I'm going to live a shit life and depend on y'all, okay? And I sit down and I'm like, not quite. Makaguichi created it, and then he went to prison for creating it. Just after World War II, when Japan declared that Shinto was the only religion, he protested, Mm -hmm. and they threw him in prison. And he ended up dying in prison, so take that, Shinto. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yes, and his second-in-command took over, and uh, took over... Until 1960. Because the current leader is a much bigger dick. Oh, man. <laughs> and his name is Daisaku Ikeda, who I will be calling Ikeda. Mm-hmm. Ikeda's followers believe that he is the earthly incarnation of uh, Nichiren. Okay. <laughs> and he, those, many people believe that. Uh, if you believe otherwise, you will suffer his wrath, which is no small feat. <laughs> Daisaku Ikeda should be powerful, read one quote. So why has he thought to be so contemptible? Because he is. Because he's an asshole. <laughs> yes. A, quote, small, plump man with a permanently smug look. Ah, he joined Jesus. Soka Gakkai in 1947, and his reputation as a phenomenally effective fundraiser ah. bumped him way up in the ranks. That was a chaotic time in Japan. It I'm surprised. Really was. Oh, well, I guess I'm not surprised. Chaos is a ladder. Chaos is a ladder. I'm like, I'm just like, do you have money to fundraise? For, but I guess if I guess somebody like did. Somebody did. It's, well, it seems like a time for people returning to their faith during that time. Also, sounds very true. Very true. Uh, I don't know. This one is Josei Toda mm-hmm. was the second in command who took over for Magaguchi, uh, and. Uh, when he died in 1960, then it was a battle for the top, and Ikeda is the one who won because he had enough money to pay off everybody to make him the boss. Wow. wow. Yes. Uh, there is also, he maybe did more than just pay off people. I'll get there. Oh. So Ikeda was only 32 years old then, and he persuaded the followers that the more converts and money they brought in, the better their karma. Mm-hmm. This subsequent membership drive lured one-tenth of the population of Japan. How? What the they fuck? Have, they have 12 million members in Japan and millions of people worldwide. How many what? people are in Japan? Uh, yes. I don't know. That's a lot. That's a lot. They, they have, have a political a party and a newspaper and a network. We're getting there. Okay. What yeah. the hell? Uh, they also uh, lured in, they also have celebrities like Tina Turner, Patrick Swayze, Herbie Hancock, and Orlando Bloom, who I will tell you about in a minute. Uh. Patrick Swayze. I know. But conquering the spiritual realm was not enough for Ikeda. In 1957, he had thousands of members register as residents in districts where the Gakkai-backed candidates needed votes. So he would make people move to a place uh-huh. and vote for the candidates that he put up. That's some straight-up Bogwan shit right there. Right there. That is some he Bogwan shit. He spent 15 shit. days in prison for violating election law, but I'm thinking <laughs> if 15 days is all you have to spend, then yeah. why don't people violate election no kidding. law all the yeah. time? Jesus, that makes you want to go out and violate some election That's laws. That's right. So well, I hear well, you don't get any well, prison hell, time. Yeah, so. get, yeah, <laughs> right. Sometimes you get to it. be like a Supreme Court justice. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Hmm. His political aspirations uh, grew more in 1964 when he launched the Komeito Party, which is huge and has millions and millions of votes. 
Uh, and he that makes him the unelected party leader. Uh, he has a lot of political sway uh-huh. over wow. stuff. That's crazy. Yeah. He is also known as an arrogant and mean-spirited man, mean-spirited man who really? taunts executives at meetings. His Rude. combination of religious aura and political clout is very successful. He claims to be a great thinker and a holy man, but everyone who's ever retired, quit, or been invited to visit his compound or headquarters uh-huh. talks about how it's like military lockstep obedience. Oh, God. Yeah. He also wants... He wants fame. He's openly lobbying to and contributes millions of dollars to any cause because he wants a Nobel Peace Prize. He's pretty open about that. Wow. That what? he will also <laughs> suck up to anyone. There are all kinds. There's no shortage of film and photos of him with Gorbachev, Thatcher, Francois Mitterrand, uh, Kissinger. Um, he that just his university gives out uh, honorary doctorates like. Like Tic Tacs. There is a university? Yeah, of I'm getting there. A university. He cultivates <laughs> lots of relationships with people like Nelson Mandela and then gives interviews about how they're super tight best friends working on world problems. He read my book in prison. No, he did no, not. He did not. No, he fucking didn't. Right. Jesus. Nelson Mandela meets a lot of people, or did. Yes. Met yeah. a lot of people. And it sounds to you. What's Japanese for star fucker? Because <laughs> Go to the opening of an envelope. Go to the opening of an envelope. Uh, he has, he will invite people like Thatcher or Kissinger or whatever to one of his schools or centers and has his aides and assistants hand out gifts mm-hmm. of like soft drinks and things. And then they gather up the cans and put little labels on them. These were, the cans are labeled. This is a president of encouragement from Ikeda Sensei. And then they will take pictures of them and like display the cans. Like this is the can. This is Henry Kinder- Kissinger's Dr. Pepper can. Uh-huh. <laughs> I prefer Dr. Thunder. <laughs> I don't know. The off-brand is just more appealing to me. Oh, God. I like thumbs up. It's, uh, the soda thumbs in the up. Coke knockoff in India is called thumbs up. T-H-U-M. Thumbs up. <laughs> thumbs <laughs> up. Thumbs up. But, yeah. Uh, they, like I said, he, they, his followers consider him the earthly incarnation of Nichiren Daishonin. The rest of Japanese Buddhism considers them heretical fake Buddhists. Yes. Because... Yeah, yeah. Their take on the Lotus Scroll, which Nichiren Buddhism is a different thing, and uh-huh. they do the Lotus Scroll thing as uh-huh. a prayer. But in Soka Gakkai, the Lotus Scroll is like the prayer of Jabez. Like, oh. I didn't get a chant till I get my BMW kind of thing. Oh. I learned a lot about the cult from a fantastic 1995 BBC documentary called The Chanting Millions, which opened with a quote, Every year, as we commemorate the Allied victory over Japan and the atrocities it revealed, we are reminded that this is a land of puzzling contradictions. So you know where we're coming from. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Then we see all kinds of, like, released by Sakagakai footage of a ceremony that looks kind of like a cross between Shen Yun and Olympic Night at the Olympics. (laughs) Polly Toynbee, daughter of the late great historian Arnold Toynbee. That name is familiar. Yes, and he was a British historian who wrote, like, predicted a lot about how the Japan and China are going to be the future. Yeah. And because of that, Soka Gakkai totally idolizes Arnold Toynbee. Okay. And... uh, (laughs) 
Polly, they invited Polly and her husband to this thing, and she of course, she uh, referred to it as a massive Nuremberg style rally. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, and she was she was not pulling punches in there. She's yeah. like, yes, they invite all sorts Whoa. of people to then then take pictures, like as though my father would have agreed with what they say. Right? Yeah, and she's like, no, my father did. He was an historian, and he did predict the like the rise of the Pacific uh-huh. uh, as a power, but <laughs> but not you guys, <laughs> right? But that yeah. doesn't mean he was talking about you, right? <laughs> also, how much do you get paid right. to show up? Exactly. Uh, in the documentary, we learn like that the most important mission of Soka Gakkai is to show others that their religion, whatever it is, is not the true religion and cannot bring them to happiness. They must join the true faith, Soka Gakkai. Chant, donate, recruit. This is the life of a devotee, says an ex-devotee. And the second thing you need to do is the chanting thing. And I'm not sure if there are certain numbers or times of day or for a certain length of time. Again, I am ignorant of true Buddhist practice. Well, I think you should do it long enough to want to sign your life over. I think so. So however many hours a day that takes you. (laughs) Right. I saw footage of a Soka Gakkai monastery in Japan full of very young-looking people, like high school at the oldest, Mm -hmm. sitting and chanting. I also saw an American, uh, a Malibu businessman, inviting other business folks and socialite-looking ladies to chant in his beach house. Get out. Because... Shocking no one, Soka Gakkai is hot in California. <laughs> oh, I bet. One leathery blonde says, you know, you can have so much fortune and still not be happy. And her uh, husband nodded and said, we know it's real because my chanting helped me push my business dream through tremendous obstacles. I bet Were you did. happy after that? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> he keep is. trying. He's uh, right. <clears throat> Orlando Bloom got involved through a friend when he was 16. He learned to chant because he needed to pass his art exams. And lo and behold, it was his highest grade they'd ever given. I watched an official Soka Gakkai video where Orlando Bloom is talking about his what devotion. What He Wait, said... art exam? Like, art history? Like, like his... No, like his, his high school. Like his O-levels or his A-levels. Oh, this is like his hell? high school tests. I joined yeah. this group. His exams. Right. Like, so there I are can, no exams in studio art, so that has to be well, art they history. they are to get your levels or, in... Or, or maybe it's just bullshit? I don't, I don't know. This is the British educational system. You have to pass your tests to get your degrees... Yeah. You don't have one I diploma, know. you I get know. the diplomas in an individual. I know, and shit. then they're like rated. Yeah. Which is like, <laughs> which is like, oh my God. Because I mean, like, you know what they call doctors who get C's? Doctors. doctors but yeah. apparently it's like right there on their transcript. Right. It's, like, it's like, you got a C in this degree. Right. You got a two one. You got a two. I got an L. I got an L. <laughs> I got a degree. <laughs> um,. Uh, but lo and behold, once he began chanting, it was the highest grade they had ever given, and they asked to keep his paintings as examples to other students. <laughs> um, he, he, at one point, he got to meet Sensei Ikeda and wrote him a poem, but Ikeda told him that the poem sounded really derivative of his own work. <laughs> and Orlando was apparently wow. really humbled by this opportunity to learn more about how to be authentic. Do you think he and Katy Perry talk about this a lot? <clears throat> Someone commented on the video, I feel this is how Orlando Bloom truly won Katy Perry's heart. They're just two souls with the same values and goals. Katy is innately spiritual, so this makes sense. Both have been through experiences innately in their spiritual. lives, collecting good and bad times, and this brings the best version of themselves. I'm so happy for them. And now they have a beautiful baby. <laughs> Shut the fuck I up. think Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry are deeply stupid people. <laughs> That's why on the they tail get along end of their so careers. Well. <laughs> I just can't get over how cute Legolas is. The, yeah, very yeah. Legolas is very but, much just Legolas. He is very much yeah. just Legolas, and he's beautiful. 
exists he's gorgeous. In a vacuum, he looks great. The vacuum that is those movies. The yeah. delicate wigs, the ear tips, mm-hmm. wonderful. And then you see him and you're like, who's this geezer? Yeah. Yeah, or then you go back and see the Hobbit movies in like super HD, and I'm like, well, you're not immortal, Mr. Bloom. Like, I right? <laughs> anyway. Anyway, you, you can't just chant, of course. You have to have a chant at a scroll, and not just any scroll, because it has to be a proper scroll, a gohonzon, which is a special scroll that's ascribed with Nishiren's wisdom. Okay. To get one, newcomers to SG must prove their interest by attending some meetings, paying a $20 donation for the scroll, (laughs) even though it's just a mass-produced photocopy on a piece of paper with a plastic rod and a piece of cord. You then have to allow people from Soka Gakkai to come to your house to make sure that you have put it in a proper place. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. And uh, obtaining this Gohonzon outside of SG is forbidden, and there's a lot of double talk about their reasons. They criticize another Buddhist sect, Nichiren Shoshu, as being superstitious for complaining, com- claiming that the SGI Gohonzons are evil. Uh, but then they also say that if you get one, uh, an unapproved one, it will bring you bad karma. I don't know. <laughs> I just imagine this calendar that we used to have that was like a it looked like a bamboo rolling mat yes, but yes, it had yes, like a panda right. on it yes you know? I, I, that's exactly what i that's thought. what i'm imagining <laughs> yes uh-huh but i'm also thinking about this book i read as a child called miss happiness and miss flower by uh-huh. rumor godden which is a fucking amazing book that really like when i read it in the fourth grade i was like my mind is blown yeah. and in it they make an authentic japanese dollhouse and part of it is the little niche for the scroll. Right. So right. I'm assuming it is. It is <laughs> that called, you have to have a special little niche for your scroll. It's called a butsudan. Is that the niche for it's your scroll? It's a Buddhist altar with doors where you put your scroll. Mm-hmm. Well, and then I think of the the nail. You go to the nail salon and they have the little altar at the front. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's got a little scroll. It does have a little scroll and then a Buddha and, and then the like incense and then yeah, and there's some fruit and stuff. Uh huh. So, but yeah, you have to get then. Uh, if you get it outside, if you get it like on the internet, no. Mm-mm. If you leave the organization, then you have to give it back to SGI, but not the money. And failure to do this after you have officially departed for the organization may result in regular unexpected home visits and phone calls from SG people. This is if you leave and don't give the scroll back? Right. They were gonna, they're going to come and get your scroll. <laughs> That's right. Come and get your scroll. Wow. Come and get your scroll. Come and get your scroll. <laughs> You also, if you join it, you have to buy a burial plot and a headstone from them. Whoa. Mm-hmm. The cemetery is on the island of Hokkaido, but no matter where you live, you have to buy the headstone and burial plot. Wow. Yes. The hell? Uh, Ikeda says in one of his many, many poor me boohoo, we aren't a cult interviews, we need money to have a good religion. Faith is a metaphorical concept, but it needs to be advertised like any good product. Um, oh, indeed. <laughs> and he also says, happiness lies not only in truth, but in profit. To which I say, are you a Ferengi? What's I going know. on? At <laughs> 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 least he's saying it out loud. He's saying are it you, out loud. Are yes. you a Ferengi or Eric Trump? <laughs> he has much better hair than Eric Trump. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a low bar. He's an elderly like, Japanese man. But still. Like, look, I, it's been, uh, no, it's been a little tight. while. It's been a minute since I showered, but my hair is still better than Eric Trump's. The documentary talks to a Japanese family who owns a chain of hair salons, and they joined because they'd had so many daughters they needed to chant in order to have a son. Nice. Wow. In 1964, Ikeda took his Gakkai clout, cash, and extensive Rolodex of name followers and founded his political party, which became super successful. And it folded Gakkai's 
somewhat fairly legitimate origins Mm -hmm. into part of his machine. The party is very powerful now, which has 10% of the electorate in a 6 million block vote, which is a statistic that shows me how I know nothing about Japanese political structures. None whatsoever. Yeah. but that's but it's not insignificant, right? No, that's, and I do that's know that something. their parliament is called the Diet, which always makes me think of the Diet of Worms. The Diet of Worms. The Diet of Worms. Yeah. <laughs> In Japan, it is possible to get an entire pre-K to PhD education at Sokagakai schools. Oh, wow. God. Yes, and they own and run a newspaper. Indeed, they have Ooh. an entire communications network, so their members don't have to be tainted by outside news. Yay! Wow, this treated- is sounding kind of familiar, but like not in a good way. Yeah. I was treated to so much 1995 vintage publishing technology. (laughs) (laughs) All that heavy white plastic. Oh, man. They are also doing paste up. (laughs) They are also tight, tight, tight with the Mitsubishi Bank, Um, which is part of the whole Mitsubishi everything, mm -hmm. uh, which makes me then think of how the grand prize on MTV's remote control was a Mitsubishi Mirage. Mm -hmm. And I can still remember the honky ass rap that Adam Sandler and Colin, what's his name, would do about it. Oh, my God. Remembering everything I've ever read and seen and heard. It's great. (laughs) According to a 1999 New York Times article, members have been convicted of using wiretapping, arson, and bomb threats against their rivals. Well, at least it's not sarin gas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. In 2021, in his his book, The Last Yakuza, A Lifetime in the Japanese Underworld, Uh an investigative reporter writes that Soka has hired gangsters to intimidate his enemies. Mm. And they're... uh, There's a website called Soka Controversies, which is what they they run. They run like a spin section, which is Soka Controversies, which is like you murdered my dad, and they're like, this is a controversy. (laughs) (laughs) It's a controversy because we don't think we murdered. The de- details places where critics blame the organization for the alleged murders of like female politicians and priests <laughs> from competing Buddhist factions. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh. President Ikeda has been accused of numerous crimes, raising from financial misdeeds to rape, but was only formally indicted once uh, when he spent two weeks in jail for violating election laws. Okay. Oh my god! They have a center in Oklahoma City no on Twelfth Street, and. America's Tess Kimmon had better be glad that I only found out about that on Friday. <laughs> or I would totally have fucking made her go. <laughs> and that's the not really exciting, but still kind of interesting Soka Gakkai Japanese wow political party that's, cult. <laughs> that's maybe the most boring cult we've ever had. No, oh. there's got to be more boring than that. I don't know. No. There's got to be more boring ones. I mean, yeah. like, most, like, serious. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like I said, as I got into this, I'm like, well, this isn't providing me with wackiness, but I still thought it was important to mm-hmm. include yeah. anyway. No, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like Plus, it's also like, Japan, into- what are you doing? Yeah, it was, it yeah. was more. It's like, you can see anybody can have the, like, happy science anime. I'm mm-hmm. Helen Keller. Or the, like, I'm insane and trying to murder people. But then there's like, yeah. I don't know, this is like toxic, Southern Baptist Church. Toxic business culture. Toxic business culture, yeah. religion that has infiltrated Bureaucracy, the government. Bureaucracy, yeah. And, know, and yeah. banking. Mm-hmm. And no, I think like it's like that. definitely worth examining. Plus it's... Um, <laughs> It's given rise to a couple of jokes that I couldn't quite uh, find a way to work in. Okay, but they involve uh, either a, a seven-year Ikeda or a ten-year Ikeda. <laughs> what about the seventeen-year Ikeda? Oh, oh man, the seventeen-year Ikeda is uh, well. You know, that's the, those giant wasps uh, called Ikeda killers. <laughs> yes. Oh man! They or are. I'm also like. 
Mm, I love their meatballs. That's true. <laughs> no better place to get bedding than at Ikeda. Ikeda, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's where we got our sofa. That's it's right. Like, uh-huh. We sit on it, but occasionally it tells us we're going to hell. That's right. But you can we're chant bad Buddhists. to get out so of it. So we can chant to, can get, chant out to get out of it. We you haven't can. done that yet. You can't stand up. You have to chant to get out of it. That's true. Uh-huh. All right. Well. well, and speaking of chanting, that's what we're going to do at halftime. So okay. It was fantastic, you guys. Uh, Let's talk about how sexy Patrick Swayze is, even though he was in on that shit. (laughs) I forgive you, Swayze. I forgive you, Swayze. But he did some, he gives so many other things. Point break. Uh, (laughs) Dude, we watched, oh man, like so on Netflix, there's this series called The Movies That Made Us. Uh And uh, one of the episodes. You need to get in on one of those, like one of those late nights where you're like, I want to watch something, but I don't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The episode on Dirty Dancing is like really interesting for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh But like not least of of which for the Swayze fan (laughs) is, uh, you know, just hearing about, I mean, yeah, he just like absolutely tortured his body to get the shot. Oh, in, nice. uh, and uh, yeah, it's I don't mm-hmm. know. Oh, anyway, oh, Swayze also in Donnie Darko. He was God, he in was Donnie so Darko. Evil pedo, and he like did that on purpose. Yeah, like I need to, I need to like dirty up my image. <laughs> yeah, just do it. But yeah, the one about Dirty Dancing was super interesting because the movie was like written and produced by um, by uh, women, like, by women, yes, and by a woman. Who was like, yes, my parents called me baby. Yes, I went to the Poconos yeah. in the 60s. Uh-huh. You know, so it was a very, very, like, like real, real personal uh-huh. story. And yeah, it was just super good. Today at the Goodwill, I bought a DVD that had, uh, it has uh, 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, my oh, God. Wow. Like, put Valley Girl on this sucker. I'd swap Breakfast Club out for Valley Girl. That's, but that's true. Some serious that's shit. true. I may make the girls watch 16 Candles later. <laughs> oh, my God. With a fucking, like, long-ass trigger warning at the beginning. Yeah, okay. I, like, do Jesus. not talk about Asian people like this. <laughs> and there's also going to be a... Never mind. We're going to watch it anyway. Okay. Okay. <laughs> God, <laughs> um, I, and I will time it, and I will text you the first time somebody <laughs> says like "faggot" because Please? it won't take long. It's amazing. Ah, uh, mm. uh, maybe uh, not. Maybe not. We'll see. I'll just watch it by myself. There you go. Yeah. All right. Jake Ryan is powerfully hot. Jake Ryan is powerfully hot. He he always looked like Lil Abner to me. <laughs> <laughs> like the drawing of Lil Abner. Yes. Powerfully hot. He never did anything else, did he? He was in Mermaids. 
Ah, okay. Yes, sorry. He was. He was in Mermaid, and then no, and then no. Like he went off to like I don't know, marry a lovely woman and have beautiful children, and like become like a carpenter, okay, or something like that. No, like I did Michael Michael Sheffling. Well, thank you, Aaron. You're welcome. (laughs) I told you he's powerfully hot. I was like, I need to (laughs) learn more about. I was looking at Winona Ryder. Never mind. I know, right? But uh, yeah, Michael Sheffling was his name. Yeah, and he was in Mermaids. Okay, and and he went to become like a sexy carpenter somewhere. Sweet. He, he went on to become Jack Ryan in the uh, Tom Clancy books and films. He did not. What? No. <laughs> Don't tell me that. Brian. I know you love Tom Clancy. Are you being <laughs> The fuck I do? <laughs> he goes He goes on the shelf with the Patterson, <laughs> the transitional Patterson. The transitional yeah, no, Patterson like, like, like I, build, I, I will build the shelf for the Patterson books out of <laughs> old Tom, Tom Clancy, Clancy books. Novel. Okay, gun to your head. Would you rather read a Tom Clancy novel? Like Hunt for Red October or um, Along Came a Spider, which is like the Alex Cross one, which is supposed to be one of... Mm. Well, the James Patterson book appears to be about a person and not a gun. No, <laughs> so I'm going to go with submarine, the James Patterson. Right? Submarine. I don't know. Um, did Tom Clancy write it? And did James Patterson it's hire somebody to write it and then put his name on it? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, this you know, there's a whole period of Tom Clancy's career. Yeah, uh, there is. And after he died, uh, though. Okay. Yeah. Well, like, no, no, it was like it was before that. Yeah, it was, no. There was all sorts of like Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. No, he did write okay. Unforgiven. I don't October, know. That's a but, tough one because both of those are like. Yeah. I honestly would rather read James Patterson Sad. because. It would be dumb, obs. Yeah. But it, at no point would I become entrenched in the fucking submarine. That's true. How the machine Seriously. works. How the machine That's works. Yeah, okay. Like, then I pick Patterson, too. Look, yeah. At some yeah. point, like, a copy of Clear and Present Danger or, like, ended up in our house when I was a kid. Well, and you're was like, like mm, political thrillers. I, uh, well, I know. It was like, I think helicopters are cool. I'll try to read about this. And it was just like, I mean, I was like 60 pages in and 40 of the pages were about the Black Hawk helicopter. About the helicopter uh-huh. itself. Like, this, is this it? I mean, it's, it's like, just... I think a political thriller makes a good movie. Yes. Can yeah, be a good, yeah, can be a good movie. You can cut out the thousands of pages of description right. of inanimate objects. Dad and I have a long tradition of going to see Rando summertime movie. We saw The Hunt for Red October, and that uh-huh. was pretty fun. Yeah. It was a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Clear and Present Danger was also good. Okay. It was Harrison Ford. Well, you know. those, yeah, I love Harrison Ford. Those Tom Clancy books are the equivalent of... Of like the fucking the wolf and the dove, they are. Yeah, yeah. They are total male. Nah, they are. There aren't any is enough girls in there because well, no, 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 no. What, what yeah, I'm yeah, saying they're... is there. It's like, a total gun <laughs> is the male wolf and the dove. That's true. <laughs> but Shogun is the male wolf and the dove in that it is a, a, a historical Historic. epic mm-hmm. with some boning, some boning in, in, it. in it, but <laughs> and some war and some war, but um. Tom Clancy and like Hunt for Red October, like if you take the wolf and the dove and every time they describe a dress uh-huh. or a shampoo yes. or a bath, oh you replace God. that with like a gun or, or a helicopter right. or, or a like, navigational system. A navigational system yes. or like, you know, <laughs> fucking cloaking, <laughs> cloaking radar. Dwight Eisenhower, you know. Let's <laughs> see. Clomped up the steps to the FBI. Exactly. That's right. Just imagine <laughs> it was like, it was a beautiful golden dress that set off her skin perfectly That's and right. she looked great. As the maid took the soft robe and she stepped down into the pedal bath. <laughs> the heckler right. and Koch MP5 is unique. <laughs> 
in that the switch between burst fire and fully automatic fire is at a 60-degree angle. Rather... into my skin. He had a Peugeot tachometer watch that was good up to 30,000 feet. Spec 5 Eladio Menendez never got used to the MP5, exactly. so he carried himself a sawed-off shotgun mm. instead. And then they brought warm sugar to wax all the hair off her legs. <laughs> and twined beautiful fragrant vines into her lovely hair. So When the cartels <laughs> came for Eladio's father, he stood as a nine-year-old on the front steps, quietly shaking his head for his mamacita. Knowing <laughs> he was the hombre of the house. Uh, and, and, uh, every Spanish word is in italics. Yeah, it is. It is. Because, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, man. man. That was good. Good job, you good guys. Good job, you guys. I know, yeah. I really, really, uh, Welcome yeah. to... I feel like we did some good work this year, this evening here. You're doing great. Okay. I'm ready to learn about another cult, though. Oh, oh my God. My fucking God, you guys. <laughs> this one is B-A-N-A-N-S. What? Okay. G-A-N-A-N-S. I'm sorry. What's French for bananas? It's banana. Un banane. Un banane. Okay. We're in France. Hell yeah. We are in fucking France. May We... Uh-huh. Amanda, do you like France? <laughs> <laughs> do you like secretarial schools? Oh, may we? Oui. Do you like Masonic plots to take down families? Always. <laughs> I got the cult for you. Oh, oh. <laughs> fantastique. Y'all gonna get every bit of my high school French tonight. I fucking hope so because I took high school German. That's right. So as as we were on your Japanese pronunciation journey yes. earlier, Here we, go. we are on my Journée de France. <laughs> Journée de France. <laughs> drink a big old glass of milk because you're gonna need all that flavor. Fantastic. I'm gonna drink <laughs> buttermilk. Um. So lay. <laughs> <laughs> That makes me think of the episode where Patsy and Adina went to France. (laughs) They're like, we have to go to the store. Okay, what do we need? Bread. (laughs) Milk. Where are we supposed to get milk? Where are we supposed to get milk? Sweet tea. Sweet tea. Okay. Okay. So today we are talking about... (laughs) Oh, should we... (laughs) Thierry Tilly. Oh, God. Do you know who this is? No, but just the name Thierry is already. Thierry Tilly. And this is, is it, a... Can you yeah. spell that for us? T-H-I-E-R-R-Y. Thierry. I-L-L-Y. And that's, that's a man. Okay. This is a different kind of cult. The kind where a weak chin man singles out an entire family and forces them to give him money. Oh, this is cool. I... I Wow. Actually, I think I know. Keep this going. was like, this is the, in the aughts. This is good. It is Ooh, good. Okay, so, I'm ready. I'm ready. We are going to start with the family and my sweet pronunciation. Infamy. <laughs> the DeVreen Deep. Mm. The DeVry Institute. The DeVry Institute will teach you. <laughs> and I have a skill you that no one can take from me. Heating <laughs> and air conditioning classes are available this <laughs> fall. Well, I hope those fucking De- DeVry graduates went on to make a boatload of no money. No shit. If I, they're my... definitely making more money than I am right now. Uh-huh. Right? I know. I am strictly encouraging my child to because, go to Votech. I'm like, because please they become have an auto mechanic. <laughs> I know, right? So, okay, sorry. Go, go, go. The Dividrine 
family Mm -hmm. have been members of the Protestant nobility of Southwest France for over 300 years. (laughs) As you do. Excuse me. Their ancestral home was a Touretted manor called Chateau Martel. Touretted manor. Fuck you! Fuck you! (laughs) (laughs) It's just the Chateau shouts at you. I'm sorry, every time the door, it's like... Dick butt, dick butt, dick butt! (laughs) (laughs) So Chateau Martel is near the 13th century village of Montflanquin. What arrondissement is that? (laughs) We are going to talk about arrondissements later. (laughs) The Dividrines were respected members of the community. They were well-liked. The family organized a village music festival, and there were, like, parties. And um, like most landed gentry in the 21st century, there was very little actual money. Right. And so Uh, they all worked. uh, Yeah. (laughs) We've got our house uh, and our title. uh Uh-huh. They don't even really have a title. They just have the land and the... You know, well, it's like, well, we have the fucking chateau in Montflanquin. So. That's right, and it, it ain't cheap. <laughs> and it ain't cheap. So let's meet the players in the story. Okay. And this is a family, and so there are quite a few people. Anyway, okay. there's Guillaumette, who was the matriarch of the family, who was 88 years old when all this shit started in 2000. Okay. And all everybody else's age is from 2000. Gotcha. Okay. So there was Guillaume's son Philippe who is six, a 63-year-old Shell Oil executive. Nice. There well, was a son He must make an okay salary. Just yeah. that will help. Well, them everybody probably. made okay salary. Right. Like yeah. nobody was poor. It's like we all have to work but none of us work at Le Gas Station. <laughs> right. <laughs> until uh, until until Thierry Tilly comes I'm sorry, into sorry, I'm getting ahead of so, myself. So, uh there was Philippe, there was Charles Henri, a 53-year-old gynecologist and local politician. That's a combo. <laughs> well, it's France. That's right. Yeah. Vote for me or I'll tell everyone you have syphilis. Nice. Well, this gynecologician, like Charlotte was married to a woman named Christine. And then Philippe and Charles Henri's sister's name was Ghislaine. Oh, Ghislaine, I love that. Ghislaine, she was 55 and she ran a secretarial school in Paris. So our major players right now are the matriarch Guillaumet and her kids Philippe, Charles-Henri, and Ghislaine. Mm -hmm. Rounding out the rest of this group was Philippe the Shell Oil executive's girlfriend named Brigitte, Charles-Henri and Christine's three children, Guillaume, Almeri, and Diane. I'm sure that's how it is. Yeah. Diane. (laughs) Diane. And then there were Ghislaine's two children, uh, Guillaumette, Mm -hmm. uh, who was 24, a lady, and Francois, who's 22. Yeah. So everything starts with Ghislaine. Uh, Ghislaine was the director of Paris's top se- secretarial school called La Femme Secretaire. Oh. And she was married to a man named Jean Marchand. Okay. And on September... First- Jean Valjean? No. Jean, no. Jean. Jean Marchand. And on September 1st, 2001, Ghislaine and Jean Marchand celebrated the marriage of their daughter, Guillemette. Uh, at the chateau, there were 400 guests at the chateau, but all was not well. Is, it, is this like when Roger Sterling's daughter got married on November 22nd, 1963? <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. No, but it is crazy, the things that happened prior to September 11th in this show. Okay. <laughs> Um, Geese Lane, who ran the secretarial school, had become super close with a man named Terry Tilly, who was 
a jack of not terry thomas no (laughs) around the world in 80 days no who was described as a jack of all trades administer at la femme secretary and jean marchand gisland's husband thought that they were having an affair Mm. When he, oh, it was much worse than that. <laughs> when Jean Marchand asked the school staff about it, they said, "No, not an affair. It's worse than, than that." that. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow! In your France, an affair is like what the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, that's um, true. Ghislaine met Terry Tilly in 1997, which was a ta- chaotic time for Ghislaine. Mm. The year before, she and a group of other parents took over their kids' school. Because the school was bankrupt and set to close down in the middle of the term. And so they were like, well, we'll take it over and then they can just like finish the term. Okay. There was some kind of court battle where the teachers wanted to keep their jobs. Hey! They lost. And (laughs) Ghislaine was appointed the head of the school. And then she immediately realized that things were like in really fucking terrible shape. There was no. Running a school is actually kind of complicated (laughs) and educating children is not just something anybody can do, just saying. There was yeah, no money. Yeah, yeah. Enrollment well, had plummeted. The, the computer system was totally obsolete, and there were major, major, major maintenance issues. Because mm. I'm sure this has been like École de Femmes since, since right, like, since like 1066. <laughs> right. <laughs> Después de le, le war. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> some Spanish, but there you go. <laughs> so Gisling's lawyer. Avant. There we go. There we go. Uh-huh. Gisling's lawyer, a man named Vincent David. Um, Vincent David? Vincent David, who was the one who, like, beat the teachers in court. Uh-huh. Oh. Um, recommended, since the the place was in such terrible shape, Vincent David recommended a cleaning company mm-hmm. to Ghislaine that was run by Thierry Tilly. Thierry Tilly. Okay. And then Thierry Tilly quickly made himself indispensable to... Indispensable. <laughs> indispensable to Ghislaine. When Ghislaine, Ghislaine mentioned that the school's computers were terrible, like the next fucking day, he was like, I have you a new computer system. Let's okay. go. Um, he was well-dressed and always one step ahead of everyone, but he was also very mysterious. Ghislaine act- mm. asked Vincent... <laughs> David about Tilly's story. Vincent David. Gisele as Vincent David about Tilly's story. Hang on, let me take a drink. Yeah, read the rest of this in just a, a preposterous fake French accent. I'm thinking of David, Oath of the Horatii, like his painting. That's right. I'm not. No. It's okay. No, I'm not, not thinking about that. I'm not going to read it in a terrible French accent. Well, why the no, goddamn I'm going to be busting in with mine, so just... Uh, okay, yeah, here we go. True, so... Vincent David told Ghislaine that Terry hired him for legal work on a real estate development, but did not pay the attorney's fees. Instead, instead, Terry uh-huh. promised Vincent David part ownership of the project, but never made good on the offer. Mm-hmm. That did not stop Vincent David from telling Ghislaine that Tilly was a super connected in high places and owned like 10 companies. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, you guys, this is my favorite part of of meeting the cult leader which is the list of accomplishments Uh, yes 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 yes. Thierry Tilly was once a semi-pro tennis player okay he's ambidextrous so he could play with both hands excellent and he was also a semi-pro soccer player who almost played for Marseille nice is he a semi-truck driver that was the first thing that came to my mind (laughs) his his mom he says his mom Sorry. Sorry. His mom was 14 when he was born, and she would have been a champion figure skater if it weren't for him. Yeah, well. His yeah, dad was weird. a frogman who did special secret service <laughs> shit for the Ministry of Defense. Aren't the French all frogmen? Oh! oh! 
he was also a lawyer in and after we and after he got his law degree he was recruited to go to a special school for spies and diplomats and then he got a phd in the detection of counterfeit currency a whole wow. PhD in the detection of counterfeit currency. He was what? also a pilot, a professional skier, and he parachuted from a military plane when he was 12 years old. Citation needed. He what could run your... a thousand meters in three minutes, 15 seconds, which is like, <laughs> that's less than a mile. Yeah. It's like 0.6 <laughs> of a mile. But... And I was like, I could run less than a mile in three minutes. <laughs> three minutes? <laughs> and 15 seconds? That's uh, not quite the four minute mile there. It's really that not. He meters. was also friends with uh, Francois Mitterrand and Brigitte Bardot, among others. Francois Mitterrand, just like dude from Sophie And this is really important, you guys. <laughs> okay. He said he was also a dependent descendant of the Habsburgs. Uh, uh, did, what are your testicles uh, the size of shriveled black peanuts? Exactly, your, your heart, heart the size of a peppercorn. peppercorn. Is your head full of water? It's head like the center of your brain, entirely made of water. <laughs> the, the, the only thing you say. The five part documentary <laughs> that I watched on YouTube called "The Cult of Theory Tilly" dropped this Habsburg knowledge, and then was like, although I don't know why this was a good thing, since the Habsburgs were known for like horrific inbreeding. <laughs> but the Habsburg family tree is a it is a legit. Um, later on in court, when asked to prove any of these claims, and there are a few claims that I left out, Tilly said that it was impossible because his records were sealed by Scotland Yard. Oh! I can't possibly tell you any of this. I did too. Scotland Yard has it. Uh, I would love to. However, moving on, oh, you may amazing. ask yourself. Why is How this high-powered dude installing computer systems into a family failing school? Because he wants to. <laughs> well, okay. he has a philanthropic nature and is very kind. That's the next thing I was going to say. Also, he is the one who made it possible for Ghislaine and the parents to take over the school because he has such high connections. See, he is a NATO agent. Oh. He's a confidant of George Bush. Oh. Oh. It, Again, why would you brag about that? It doesn't... Yeah, it, does, it does not say which George, George Bush. Bush. Okay. And has limitless mental powers. Uh, but you don't lead with that stuff. <laughs> in truth, Terry Tilly was born in 1964 in Bois Columbans. Uh, Pardon sorry, me. What? Bois, which means trees. Bois. Columbus. C O L O M B E S. Oh, oh. Uh, uh, dove. What dove tree? Colombe is dove. Uh, which is uh. northwest of Paris. Okay. He had bad eyes and a middle-class upbringing. Mm. He studied law, nice. but did not compete his, uh, complete his degree. He was involved in many dubious business ventures. Two people claimed he ripped them off, which was true, undoubtedly. <laughs> yeah. and on Only the, two? I know, right? And on the outside, Terry Tilly was short and unassuming. Ghislaine didn't take much notice of him for the first year after they met. But then, <laughs> but then he offered to mentor her fuck-up fuck son, Francis. Francois, and she was like, oh, oh wow. this is great. You can really show Francois. Show Francois. 
I'm leaving out all of the shit that Francois was up to. Okay. But can we have like one little bit of shit? Do you remember? Anything? Yeah. Oh, was sh- he just like a fuck up? Like he was just a rich fuck up. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mm. Gotcha. Rich, spoiled rich boy. Got mm-hmm. it. So, <laughs> I keep crashing my Peugeots. When all, with all these friends in high places, Thierry was the perfect man to get Francois back on track. And in 1999, Gislaine hired Thierry at the secretarial school and he got right to work increasing enrollment by focusing on recruiting wealthy Chinese students. Huh. Uh, to come to Paris to learn secretarial skills. Right. Okay. Was it, it was still a secretarial school? It was still a secretarial school. He changed the name of the school, which I don't know. I, obviously, I don't know it in French, but mm-hmm. in English, it's like the school for... Like sort of like creating executive assistants. Okay, okay. so he changed the, the like from La Femme Secretaire to like right, right, executive assistant uh, training program. Right, <laughs> and then focus on recruiting wealthy Chinese students. There is no, I found no evidence that any wealthy Chinese students actually came to the okay. school. So anyway, okay. We'll get back to what Thierry's doing. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Cheers. At the same time, Gisele's husband, Jean Marchand, was going through stuff with the magazine. He was a publisher. He had papers. He had a magazine. And then, like, the publish- publication was going under. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was going on, but he had, like, stress. And he was gone a lot, mm-hmm. which okay. resulted in Ghislaine confiding in Thierry, sharing all kinds Ooh, of things about yeah. her family and uh-huh. spilling her guts while he took notes and revealed nothing about himself. Absolutely. This is not sexual. No, 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 no. She's not. not having an affair. No, it's it's worse. much worse. <laughs> it is an emotional affair. Over time, Ghislaine began to rely on Terry more and more, eventually abdicating ad- all of her decision making over to him. This is still at the uh, secretary. Right, right, right. Okay, so he has ingratiated himself as a confidant, and and it's better that it not be an affair because uh-huh. he can get in deeper. He can get and in stay deeper. closer. Yeah, he started Stroke. by giving himself a huge salary, twice as much as Gislaine, who was the head <laughs> of the school, and many bonuses, making him the highest paid staff member, even though he was technically only an assistant. Well. But oh. people, if you put me in charge of who gets paid what, guess who's going to get paid? <laughs> Over the next two years, large sums of money disappeared from the school's accounts. What? And La Femme's secretary what? stopped paying his <laughs> bill, <laughs> its bills. Ghislaine dropped, what is this said, like 40 pounds? Dropped a lot of weight. Okay. I was like, 40 pounds? No, it's francs. Okay. No, no. <laughs> this is euros at this point. It's nearly $60. No, she dropped a lot of weight. Okay. Like, 40 pounds worth of weight. She yeah. wore sunglasses inside and out and warned the staff to watch out for Freemasons. <gasps> Tilly moved, <laughs> Tilly moved into a room on the ground floor of the school, and he arranged for 24-hour security in the form of a massive Polish dude who patrol- patrolled the school with a Rottweiler. Holy crap for crap. Wow. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. In 2000... That's remember, exciting. Ghislaine met Terry in 1997. So in 2000, Ghislaine brought Terry home to the chateau to meet the family. Oh. And she'd already oh. told the whole family that Terry was super smart and well-connected, rubbing shoulders with all kinds of big wigs, with an address book to rival that of the Minister of Foreign Affairs. <gasps> Ooh la la! So by the time he arrived, the whole family was primed to think he was super hot shit. He had changed Ghislaine's life, and he would change theirs. too. Yes, he will. Well. Tilly was able to... T- he was one of those people that was just like, well, like many 
you know, charlatans and, and mm-hmm. con artists con man. was able to talk to family members about big tech, finances, real estate, just like all kinds of things. Yep. And whatever that person was into, into, he could talk about it. He stayed in a guest house by the mm-hmm. chateau for the entire month of August 2000. You mean the month of oh? <laughs> oh. That's right. In French, my birthday is le du that's ridiculous. <laughs> In German, my birthday is der 12. April. <laughs> that, uh, sounds, that sounds familiar. Um, so it's we're a Germanic language. That's right. Tilly stayed in the guest house for the month of August, going to the chateau every day to have long one-on-one talks with the family members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He also, well, uh, pardon me, were they tete-a-tetes? <laughs> he also like stepped in to solve some legal real estate issues this was a whole big complicated thing but here it is like the family had sold a property that was in like terrible disrepair without like really informing the buyers of what terrible shape it was in and then there was like an actual lawsuit happening until he was like leave this to me he Uh went and i'll fix it he went and did okay I don't know how. Okay. Um, Use his powers. Also, <laughs> every year, Ghislaine in Montflanquin, the town, organized a music festival. Mm-hmm. And then one year, there, there was some kind of like grant funding screw up that mm-hmm. put the event at risk. I don't okay. know. Thierry said, leave it to me. And he worked it all out. Okay. And I don't know a, how. They found a way to pay David Matthews. Oh. But the DeVreen family was impressed and so impressed that they let Thierry look at all of their accounts. Uh, mm-hmm. Why don't you just help us with everything, Thierry? He took one look at their portfolios and, and told them I they up with actual... No, they euros. are in major trouble with these yeah. shit investments, mm-hmm. right? Um, their financial advisors were terrible, and they should put all of their money into his investing company. Now that's an idea. And he promised returns idea. of 11 to 15% per month, which uh, I don't know, dick about dick, but that sounds like a fucking lot. <laughs> that's right. Maybe this yeah. is, maybe I should open some of those TIAA statements that show up in the mail. <laughs> Meanwhile, I finally went to paperless today after like a thousand years. Oh, thank God. TIAA crap. TIAA. We sponsor things on NPR. Yes, we do. <laughs> exactly. We recently lost $62 from your account, Aaron, so you have $1,500 in your retirement. Fund. The Chubb Group. Oh. Congratulations. Anyway, yeah, Terry was like, put these let, in. Let me do Let it. me do this. So once Tilly had gained the the trust of the family, he dropped some extremely disturbing news on them. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, he was Jewish and all the French people freaked out. God, yeah. Oh! Like, not Catholic. Not quite. Okay. (laughs) The Masons had their eye on the prime real estate occupied by La Femme Secretie, Terry, a building on the Rue de Lillet in the fashionable 7th and Rosemont arrondissement. You're just making sounds now. No, it, that's no, French. French. Paris is divided into arrondissements. Uh, Tilly said that these fucking Freemasons were so intent on acquiring the property that the lives of Ghislaine and her family might be at risk. Might be at risk. These and, Masons are trying to kill you. This might not sound important to you fucking rubes, but Freemasons are believed by many 
French people uh-huh. to be major players in Parisian real estate, and the group's influence in the southwestern France is said to be even stronger, which is a special kind of white-on-white <laughs> racism that really is, like, unique is. to France. Unique to France. Yeah. <laughs> it really and is. And France is really incredibly xenophobic and racist. They are. And like, yeah, like oh so God, much dude. so that they're, like, horrifically. I have to be racist against you guys. Right. It's like, I've yeah, run like out of people, people to discriminate against. I know. Out. It's really like kind of some Ellis Island kind of style bullshit right there. <laughs> they really like, are amazing. So the Masons evil? Are, uh, are evil. evil and after the fashionable seventh arrondissement. <laughs> and these fucking Freemasons want to take Ghislaine's secretarial school property. And um, the reason Terry knows about this mm-hmm. is because he is a representative of a secret organization <gasps> oh, called, yes, here's my Frenchness, okay, L'Equilibre du Monde. <laughs> Ooh. Equilibre du Monde, meaning the balance of the world. Gotcha, gotcha. And it is an offshoot oh of the Knights Templar. Yes! yes! That only activates in times of extreme planetary power. Oh, my <laughs> oh God. Oh, my God. God, like that a, is fantastic. God, I, it's not like some kind of racist French golem. No. <laughs> no. Yes, Terry Tilly. Golem. Golem. It rises up out of the earth. It's like. It's like, you're like, I have come to get the ring. It is August. I'm on vacation. No, we are. There is a transit worker strike. I will give France that. Dude. Dude, okay, yes. Yeah, seriously. seriously. Like, cut our vacation. Like, we're blowing up buses. That's right. Seriously. I, I saw something recently about um, there. I can't remember what it was, but the people had come into town, come into the city, and were spraying the government offices with liquid cow shit. Ah, Just like from yes. a truck. Yes, right. they it were. Like, it was like farmers or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. It was farmers, and it had to do with like their fucking benefits. Or yeah, 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 I will yeah. give France that. Their yeah, labor no. unions are all. It's amazing how hidden this France is, you know? <laughs> they really do that well. It's like, yeah, like there's so much so much shit that they just like completely knock out of the park. 100%. Like, right, labor relations and vacations. Uh, yeah, it's like everybody's like, got August off. Yeah. We have a four-day work week. Fuck Seriously. You. Fuck you. And Let's just eat like, cheese and drink wine and yeah. like, smoke yes. all the cigarettes. Smoke all and the cigarettes. Like, oh, Not you. Wait, but also <laughs> you're super racist and xenophobic. Yes, there is. <laughs> France is a land of contrasts. So, yes, Thierry Tilly was a secret agent. When asked about the balance of the world, say it in Oklahoma accent. Here's my Oklahoma accent. Like, l'equible. Equible de Mont. Equilibre. Equilibre. Equilibre du Monde. Equilibre du Monde. Okay. Equilibre du Monde. Equilibre. The balance of the world. Um, when asked about being a representative of this organization, <laughs> Terry Tilly said, do not ask. I cannot I discuss it. I can't. But his primary association was an obscure humanitarian organization called the Blue Light Foundation. Mm. His boss, who was the head of this foundation, whom Ter- Thierry referred to as Mon President, was a man named Jacques Gonzalez, whose cousin 
was King Juan Carlos of Spain. Okay. My God. Anyway. Juan Carlos Gonzalez. Juan Carlos Gonzalez. <laughs> L'equilibre du monde, which we're not going to call L-E-M, <laughs> sits Terry to protect the Divadrine's fam- the Divadrine family from sinister forces targeting great and deserving families like theirs. Uh-huh. L-E-M was there to protect the Divadrines from their enemies. Uh-huh. And their enemies are... Uh, what? Freemasons. Freemasons. Rosicrucians. Yes. Jews. Jews. Gays. I'm glad they got that in there. Uh-huh. Might as well. They have a group like Freemasons. <laughs> the Divadrines right, had a right. destiny, and their destiny was stand up to stand up in the fight of good versus evil as their ancestors had during the reign of King Louis XIV Mm-mm. and resist Catholic oppression. And these evil forces wanted to destroy the Divadrines because they represent what French nobility used to be and also the grand- greatness of what France used to be. Right. And with, with, they bought it. What? Yes, they uh, did. Oh, of course they did. They literally bought it with their actual money. They right. did. Hey, I'm going to... Um, are we going to say that being a Knights Templar slash Rosicrucian is that going to go on the list with we were a tribe of Israel and I was in Cleopatra? I was Cleopatra uh, in a past life. <laughs> mm, if I you, don't know. Eh, okay, we'll I have to say. Okay. The way we were saying pronouncing diva dreams or whatever, I ever I kept hearing the words diva dreams. Yeah, <laughs> diva dreams. Diva dreams. Like chase dreams. It's French for diva dreams. It's my new nightclub. So anyway, <laughs> they totally bought it. Well. Not all of them. Ghislaine's husband, Jean Marchand, clocked this bullshit <laughs> right away. <laughs> Probably because Thierry Tilly introduced himself as a secret agent and also said that his briefcase would explode if anybody but him touched it. <laughs> Jean Marchand tried to warn his wife, but she wasn't listening to him. Because she'd been in this for three fucking years. He right, I'm in deep now. I'm in deep. Uh, he's my he's my secretary. My yeah, <laughs> Thierry Tilly told Ghislaine that Jean Marchand was cheating on her and pan- planning to leave her, and also Jean Marchand was part of the judo masonic plot to destroy the family. Initial judo, <laughs> like we're not talking about the martial art, are we? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, Ju- Judeo Christian, uh, Judeo Masonic. Yeah, Judeo-Masonic. which I'm like, I know. It's- I didn't think that. Mas- no, and I, Judeo-Masonic is not a no, thing. No, it's not. Yeah, no, like Judeo it, it, was one thing yeah, and Masonic is another. Right, yeah. and like Masonic is like, there I'm, to not invite the, the Judeos. Judeos. I was under the understanding that was like most of the reason the Masons exist <laughs> was for anti-Semitism. <laughs> oh, may we? Yeah. Oh. Um, initially, Ghislaine did not believe him about Tilly about the Judeo Masonic plot to destroy the family but after a year of chipping away at her person she mm-hmm. did come to believe that Jean Marchand was in league with their enemies and his parents were too there are well. there are too many lies to report here Tilly told the family all fucking all the lies all every the lie lies. You can think of. he told them that they were going to lose their house because the government wanted to turn the land into a reservoir for irrigation and then he told them he had stopped the plan 
Wow. Which, like, maybe this, never happened. This never right. happened. The government is not going to tear down this fucking 13th century fucking chateau, chateau. No. for irrigation land. No. France does. They protect their old stuff. That's they do. Um, he told the family to stop paying their taxes. Just give him the money, and he would see that it all it. got gotcha. taken care of. Mm-hmm. That's always wise. He told Ghislaine's sister-in-law, Brigitte, that her ex-husband was a Mason and that he was going to kidnap her and lock her in a mental hospital and then steal all her money. Thierry Tilly got Brigitte a burner phone, which he called an encrypted phone, Mm -hmm. and she transferred (laughs) 115,000 euros to him for protection. And she got so paranoid that she was being followed by Masons Mm -hmm. that she no longer left the house. Un phone de feu. In March 2001, I'm just making shit up over here. <laughs> I know it's, it keeps it works. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely works. In March 2001, Terry Tilly left France and moved to England because he was escaping a tax fraud conviction. Mm. And Ghislaine te- kept in touch with him through phone and email. He Did was, he like stay at Boris Johnson's house or something like that? No, he had a fucking family, like a wife and kids. Oh, yeah, Shot living in there. So this brings us kind of back around this is like where things are at mm-hmm. tilly's in england <laughs> england this brings us back around to september 1st 2001 Ooh, the shit. nuptials of Ooh. jean marchand and Ghislaine's daughter guillemette which if you want to know what the girl version of guillaume is it's willem well, guillemette is Wilhelmina. guillaumet mm-hmm. um Terry Tilly had final say over the guest list, and he barred several family members from attending because they were secretly Masons. Secretly Masons. Uh-huh. On September 7th, <laughs> we're creeping up on a big day. Uh, it's not, what. this is, that's not even it. No, it's not even in anywhere. I realize that that happened to America, and yeah. we shouldn't be like, how did France feel? And they're like, we don't care. They don't care. Um, well, I mean, do you think they would have jumped on the opportunity for, like, you know, Racism? Anti-Muslim racism. That is very true. They probably passed some laws real quick. At least as much as we did. Those laws were on the books. Anyway, so on September 7th, 2001, Jean Marchand was relaxing in his home before attending a cocktail party. As you do. Ghislaine stormed in carrying a wilted bouquet of flowers and a single glove. Oh, this is so French. Go. She threw the flowers and the glove at Jean Marchand and went off on a suspiciously rehearsed sounding diatribe where she called herself a weak outsider with no soul and said that the flowers which she had cut from their garden Mm -hmm. in uh, Fontenoy, Soubois, an eastern suburb of Paris (laughs) were a sign of Marchand's evil network. And like in Le Gauntlet there, she's throwing down Le Gauntlet. She threw it off. (laughs) When this was happening... Ghislaine's brothers, Philippe and Charles Henri, grabbed Jean Marchand, grabbed Jean Marchand, gave him a half an hour to pack and put him on a train to Paris. And when he basically got to Paris, he discovered that his shared bank accounts were empty. Mm. Later on, oh Jean God. Marchand saw an email from Thierry Tilly that uh, to Ghislaine mm-hmm. contained, including the following directions: throw the flowers and glove at him, tell him these are signs of his evil network. Give him half an hour to pack. To pack. And Jean Marchand did not see his family for eight years. Damn. Jesus. In the meantime, Thierry Tilly, who was living in England, Mm -hmm. told Philippe and his partner Brigitte to move into the now-closed secretarial school because they weren't paying any taxes, and so they closed it down. Move into the building. So it is an abandoned building. 
He told them to move in there to hide out from those who were out to get them. Miss squatters. And Thierry would call it 20 20 times a day, telling them that he had, like, operatives in the area to protect them, but they couldn't go anywhere. Sure. Unfortunately, the repo man, or the French equivalent of the IRS, showed up in December 2001 to take over the school for unpaid taxes. Terry told the David Dreams that they'd been discovered and then they'd been discovered by like oh, the, the, the Masons or oui. something. So they sped away in Philippe's bins and, and about an hour later, Thierry called and said that Jean Marchand had put a bomb in the car. Uh-uh. And so they ditched the car and they fled back to the chateau where they eventually met up with eight other family members and they stayed there with the rest of the family for the next eight years. Eight years? They're not at that one location for eight years. Not like trapped in a house, but they just like all hit off. We're all gonna, we're about to find out. Okay. However, right from the start, the neighbors found it odd that this family that had music festivals (laughs) that had been known for a long time had sequestered themselves in the chateau, shunning not only their neighbors, but other members of the family. Uh No more music festivals. No. Terry Tilly is taking their money in so many different ways that I cannot even get into it. Keep that in mind. And there wasn't even that much money to begin with. Remember, everyone had jobs. Right, right, right. Big jobs, but jobs. So the DeVrain family fortune was only about five or six million dollars. Which is not a lot. Which is not a lot if you own an ancient families go. Right. When you Um, talk about family fortunes, yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know. That money is there to pay for your fucking chateau and pay taxes. That's a nouveau riche amount of money. Uh It's true. Um, So, yeah, the fortune was only about five or six million dollars, but not for long. While they were in the house, Terry is still in England. Terry Tilly made the family get rid of all the clocks and calendars. Mm. Oh, wow. That's super weird. Yeah. Un flag rouge. Oh. <laughs> Guillaumet, who was married in September 2001, divorced after four months and gave all of her money to Thierry. Wow. Without notice to his patients or partner, Charles Henri, the gynecologist, walked away from his medical practice. He and his wife, Christine, sold their house there in a beach and a beach apartment in La Paila and handed over all of the money to Thierry Thierry. Tilly. Christine also turned her back on a once vibrant social circle in Bordeaux. And that's that's important. Like, yeah. Christine had a bunch of... She was really good friends with this woman who was, like, a champagne heiress. Uh-huh. And, and, and... Yeah, says, like a social circle in a Bordeaux. A social circle guess. in Bordeaux. Yeah. One of her friends, this champagne heiress woman, tried for more than a year to reach Christine by phone and by email. Wow. And in, Honey, in, in... In 2003, this friend told Who's Lamont... Christine answered the phone just once and then only to say, I can't tell you anything. It's family business. It's very serious. I may come back to Bordeaux, but in a different way. If I were you, I would be worried. Uh. In 2002, a neighbor went to the chateau and like kind of knocked on the door and like looked in the window and she found the whole family sitting silently in a room lit only by the Christmas tree. Oh. In 2003, the French equivalent of the IRS seized the chateau's furnishings and had them auctioned off. And so since the house was empty, family members then moved into a house that Philippe owned. Um, meanwhile, Guillaumet, the 
the matriarch. Oh, oh, old Guillemette. Old Guillemette made a large loan to Philippe, Charles Henry, and Ghislaine, and it is assumed that this money just went, went straight, straight to, to, to Tilly. While they were stuck in the in the house, in, in Philippe's house, Tilly told the family that there were snipers all around the place, like hiding in the woods to protect them oh from all God. of all the, the Masons. Masons who are just like God. all of the Masons. Massing at the borders trying to get uh-huh. at you. The Masons are basically like the X-Men Colossus at this right. point. You know, they're just like, there's gigantic, unstoppable, solid metal men. Fucking Daleks. Yes. <laughs> and then he made them do all kinds of fucked up, time-wasting, mind-control bullshit. Mm. He oh, would call, goodness. email, or fax up to 40 times a day. Uh, you remember Jacques Gonzalez and the Blue Light Foundation? Uh, maybe. Terry okay. told the family that the Blue Light Foundation was interested in buying a building near town. Okay. So he made them go and sit in a cafe and watch the building for eight to ten hours a day to make sure that there were no evil forces moving in. <laughs> Freemasons. He also like made... Wearing big Shriner fezes right. just standing in a circle. There's Terry... no tiny cars pulling in. <laughs> like, <laughs> endless numbers of people getting out. <laughs> Minuscule Peugeots, Renaults. We are looking for Citron, a Citron. automobile uh, shaped like the bowling pin. <laughs> Um, Perhaps. When I moved to London, I saw lots of foreign cars. My favorite was the Skoda. The Skoda. That's Do Jack. the Skoda. <laughs> so, Thierry also made the family all buy new cell phones mm-hmm. and then send them to Jacques Gonzalez for, like, communication purposes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, spoiler, later when the cops showed up to arrest Gonzalez, they found all of the phones just, like, in the original packaging. Just in the packaging. Oh, wow. I do, I do, I am sorry that the best... Non-American word for cell phone belongs to Germany. Is <laughs> ein Handy. Ein Handy. Mein Handy. Mein Handy. Was mein Handy? Oh, mein Gott. At I don't know a lot of German, but I know that. <laughs> At least partially to escape the mounting publicity. Yes. Because, like, honestly, once this family started taking to their house, the local newspaper was like, what's going on? <laughs> what the fuck is happening here? Several of the Dividrines left France for England, where eventually nine of them would live with or near Terry Tilly in Oxford. Hmm. Tilly made these people, these Family members get jobs at Nando's. Oh, one became yes. a gardener. And Nando's. Another swept floors at Burger King. Another worked in a shop kitchen, and they all lived in this very small apartment and gave all of their money to Terry Tilly to to protect them from the Masons. Jeez. Yes, okay, Christ. because the Masons are, are out trying to, get, to kill are your trying family. To kill, kill your family. Gotcha. These Judeo Masons. <laughs> These Judeo. <laughs> like okay, at the time that there was like at per, pardon me at this time. Mm-hmm. That they're working at Nando's and living in Oxford. It's mostly the, um, like the children of Ghislaine and Charles, like, Fe- uh huh, Philippe, yeah. Charles Henri and Philippe. It's, mm-hmm. it's their kids. It's like that generation. Uh huh. And so they're in England. So while that they were there, Thierry Tilly accused one cousin of, quote, pedophiliac tendencies, mm. which there's no mention of. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. This is just, yeah. Yeah. And moved him into an office building saying that it was owned by the Blue Light Foundation. And he was, in re- in reality, uh, Terry Tilly owed hundreds of thousands of pounds on back rent in this uh-huh. office building. <laughs> Nevertheless, Terry Tilly told the cousin who was squatting there yeah. that he get, got to choose between eating and washing. Uh, what and he chose fuck? eating. Oh, yeah, well. 
And it says here, the straw that finally broke Tilly's hold over the Dividrines <laughs> and added charges of torture and acts of barbarism to the prosecution's yes. case oh. was the Brussels episode. Oh. De Bruxelles. The Le Brussels episode. The Brussels episode. Brussels with an X. I love it. <laughs> through, I mean, like, all the stuff between choosing between eating and washing and the whole family assembling in Oxford is a fuck ton of other shit and lies that he told them about Mason's coming to get them. Right. I mean, like, there's no way you could mention every single one of them. Right. It's just so much. So once there's more, just, you know, the family had assembled, watch the cult of Terry Tilly on YouTube. (laughs) Um, Once the family had assembled in Oxford, all of Tilly told them that a marvelous, marvelous, treasure had been deposited in a bank and that that it was the task of christine who he whom he called the chosen one to locate this treasure this treasure <laughs> which had belonged to the knights templar okay would lead them to is. a secret that would save the world actually just kidding it would save french aristocrats anyway up, 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 up. The family had been selected for this mission by a network of international VIPs uh-huh. headed up by Gonzalez. Go- oh, okay. okay. You know, at least the Solar Temple got acid-laced wine. I'm just seriously, saying. Seriously, seriously. There thought- are... These people are sitting in an empty house by the Christmas tree. <laughs> when this hit the presses, the Solar Temple and Jim Jones were mentioned because they wow. were like, wow, this what is that the- kind of shit. This is yeah. that kind of shit. Unfortunately, Christine did not know where to locate this marvelous Belgian treasure, so she was locked in a room and tortured. She got a single meal a day. She was not allowed to bathe or use the bathroom, and sometimes she was drugged. It's a terrible situation, but one of the quotes that she had, she was like, I was forced to urinate in front of my husband. I was like, um... (laughs) I was going to say, don't you like... I don't know. I used the bathroom. <laughs> I was like, I mean, like if it were pooping, it would be different, right? But like but that's a totally different thing. But it's like, hey, I'm gonna pee yeah. real quick. Okay, no, but it was like under duress. Christine a, said, like in a jug in the living room. Christine said that Tilly came came to the regularly to the room, shouting and being very threatening. He said that I would never see my children again. That he would fire a pistol near my ears and fa- hand me over to a regiment of Senegalese. Oh! And one day he okay. hit me very hard on my back. The worst part about this was that Christine also believed that she was the chosen one. Um, and probably felt really bad that she was unable to locate oh, the treasure. Let us continue. Okay. Um, why Christine? Well, pourquoi? <laughs> Tilly convinced Christine and other family members that Christine's maiden name, here's some more pronunciations, Cornette de Laminiere meant transmission of metals, which was a sign that she held the key to some great treasure. And if she only could only remember that account number, everything would be fine. And eventually, under torture, she just like blurts out a random string of numbers because uh-huh. they're like, oh, "You're chosen wow. to know this account number." Come on, come on, come on, come on, exactly. come on. So she blurted out these some numbers, some uh-huh. numbers, and then they took her to Brussels. And this was her family. Yeah doing this uh-huh. it was not just here they're all deep in the craze by now yeah they took her to brussels wow. and they walked her from bank to bank 
trying to make her remember which bank holds the treasure. And then she would just go into each bank and tell them the made-up number, and the bank would be like, no. no. It's like, do you need a meal, madame? <laughs> uh, you, <laughs> you're very smelly. <laughs> you smell uh, as though you have been made to choose between bathing and meals. No, that was her son. Oh, that okay. was a different cousin who had to choose between bathing. She was only allowed to eat once a day. She was allowed to eat once a day, but had to pee in front of her husband. Uh-uh. So by this point, the family had given away most of the but money. Like, pretty much everything. And we're beginning to turn on each other. Imagine that. And they really should be turning on Teary, but okay. Exactly. Yeah. Unless it's where things get really complicated. Yeah. Because some are in England and some are in France, and I'm just... All of them are in a cult. All of them <laughs> yeah. are in a cult, so we're just gonna keep And, like, going instead here. of a cult, it's just a dude. Right. So, yeah. the family had given away most of their money, and they were beginning to turn on each other. There was families still in France that were living at Philippe's house. Philippe was had divorced earlier, uh-huh. and because of that, he was not able to give away all of his money. Oh, because like part of it went with his wife. Because part like of it under like legal lockdown. Or yeah, whatever. it was like under legal. Like it's not my money to give away. Right. Okay. Yeah. And um, he and his brother Charles Henri got into a fight because Charles Henri had already given away all of his money, and Philippe, who could not give away all of his money, still had had, mo- some, had yeah. some money. Yeah. Um. That belonged to his wife. That, yeah, yeah. Or was that, at least in, like, legal limbo. Legal limbo, exactly. Like, anyway. So, they got into a domestic disturbance, and the police showed up. Ghislaine and her daughter, Guillemette, like, when the police showed up, they got out and moved to Oxford. hmm Philippe spent two weeks in a mental hospital, and then, like, when he got out, he met up with Jean Marchand, Ghislaine's ex-husband, who was, like, this is fucked up. Yeah. This is super fucked up. And he, they also met with a lawyer named Daniel Picotin. <laughs> P-I-C-O-T-I-N. Pitcoin. Picotin. Daniel Pitcairn. Pitcairn. Pitcairn, who specializes in cults. Hey. Wow. Daniel P- Pitcairn was responsible for, like, making Scientology illegal oh. in hey. France. Good job, Pitcairn. And also was working to towards like making sort of like any kind of like mind control or something like illegal. Nice. Anyway, so in Brie two- Geller is banned from France. No. So in two thousand eight, <laughs> the chateau was sold to a holding company. Big Brother in the holding company. Absolutely. Yes. That's right. Charles Henri and Christine's son Guillaume acted as the intermediary with an agent who was acting for both the buyer and the seller, which they said was super fucking shady in a property of this size. Size, yes. Uh, And then... Lord, won't you buy me a big French chateau? Nobody (laughs) knows what happened to the money from that sale. Just kidding. We know. We exactly know. Because Guillaume gave it to... Terry Tilly. Tilly. Guillaume has set his sights high. He was getting closer to the mysterious Jacques Gonzalez, ahead of the Blue Light Foundation, and Guillaume <laughs> ultimately wanted to take over Terry Tilly's job as the foundation's chief brainwasher and thief, I guess. Yes. <laughs> so, Terry Thomas, the voice of Sir Hiss. Terry Tilly. Mules. <laughs> So, on October 16th, 2008, a bizarre incident occurred at a DMV in Croydon. Oh, man. Oh, I'm that so is the best sentence I have ever heard. <laughs> a man wearing a $1,600 latex Mission Impossible style mask came in to take a driver's test. 
the officials at the testing facility took one look at him and called the police. (laughs) Oi, mate, just sit down on that bench for a minute. Right. The masked man told the cops that his name was Jacques Jean-Pierre Gonzalez and he was 60 years old. You can't tell because I'm wearing a latex mask. I assume the cops ripped this mask off Scooby-Doo style, (laughs) revealing the face of Guillaume de Vedrine. Guillaume said simply, oh, my little trick hasn't worked. (laughs) (laughs) And when it went everywhere for you rotten kids. Precisely. Rotten gendarmes. No, they're in Croydon. She, she like, Cheryl works at the DMV of Croydon. It's the bill. It's right. (laughs) When an investigator asked him who Jacques Jean-Pierre Gonzalez was, Guillaume maintained that they had shared a house. And then they were like, so why didn't he come and take this test himself? And Guillaume said, I think he's gone traveling. (laughs) And the local police deemed this a minor offense and levied a small fine. (sighs) However... This was the end of the beginning for Thierry Tilly. All right. In 2009, a man named Robert Pouget de Saint-Victor mm. noticed that owned a, he owned a like a, a cheese shop, fresh vegetable place okay. in, in Oxford. Okay. He noticed that one of the women he employed was like, having a hard time okay so when christine devadrine applied for a job robert was taken aback because she was over 60 years old he was born in france and like grew up in england and he as soon as he met her he's like you're rich yeah he's like i can tell (laughs) i can tell but she's over 60 years old. Mm-hmm. He's like, why are, what's up? Why, what's up? You old posh woman. Why do you want a job at my cheese shop? But she was a very good worker. Mm-hmm. And over time, Robert kind of figured out that she used to have money. Mm-hmm. And he asked her what happened to the money. And she said that her son, Guillaume, took it. But she wouldn't say anymore. Robert kind of pushed a bit. Mm-hmm. And like... Get, there was some, you know, champers or something right. involved. Hey, honey, let's... <laughs> and then the whole story came out, and Christine told him about the torture that she had, mm-hmm. the trip to Brussels, the endless list of family possessions that had been lost. And Robert said, told t- that she still felt guilty for not having been able to remember the bank account number. Mm. I told her, you don't remember because there isn't any memory. Thank it's you. all made Thank up. Thank you, Robert. Yeah. Thank you. It's all made up. And so the rest of this is, like, a lot of my information came from this Vanity Fair article called Aristocrats and Demons by Michael Cho- Joseph Gross, August 2010. And honestly, this is a story, this is why I love Vanity Fair, because this is a story that Vanity Fair... That's only Vanity it's Fair made to write. Yes. All about. So what I'm about to talk about is like all from Vanity Fair gotcha. here. So Robert told Christine that she should reach out to Guillaume. Mm-hmm. And she said she was afraid to call. And she thought that her phone was probably bugged. Yeah. And she said, you know, be careful. Terry Tilly is an all-powerful man. And Robert Pouget, <laughs> who owned the cheese shop, said, nonsense. He's just a little creep. <laughs> get, get him. <laughs> and then he called Guillaume. Christine spoke to her son on the speakerphone in Pouget's office with Pouget listening in, and Guillaume's immediate reaction to his mother was 
was hostile and profane, he said. Ugh. He told his mother in French that she was an old bore, a nightmare, mind your own business, don't, don't worry, things are under control, just fucking leave me alone. Very, very rude. Oh, oh. Pouget interrupted and said, listen, you little shit, how dare you speak to your mother like this? She is a kind lady and she's trying to contact you. Where are your manners and where is her money? Guillaume said, it's none of your business. And Pouget said, I'm making it my fucking business. Get it. And Guillaume said, I don't have to speak to you. And Pouget said, you might not have to speak to me, but you will have to speak to the police. So the next day, Robert Pouget of the cheese shop asked Christine if there was someone she could call for help. And she named her old friend, who was the champagne heiress and the one who had tried to call her for a year. Bordeaux champagne heiress. Right. Christine called this woman and said, I want to come home. And then this friend meant friend met christine in london a few days later and took her back to france and once she was there christine um met uh, the cult lawyer daniel pitcoin and with who jean marchand had been working with and pitcoin took her to the courthouse where she told her story (sighs) thank god the french government pressed charges against Thierry Tilly. In, in a nanosecond. Right. They're like, hang on, let me get a pen. Actually, as a result, the shit blew up in the family and spilled into the English courts. Ooh. Charles wow. Henry initiated divorce proceeding against his wife, Christine, and then filed a suit against Guillaume to risk claim the proceeds from the, sha- the sale of Chateau Martel. Uh, Ghislaine and her son... Uh, also filed statements claiming damages from Guillaume. And reportedly, some of the Divadrines sent a letter to Guillaume's employer in Oxford alleging that Guillaume had embezzled millions from the family, warning that he might try to do the same to someone else. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, just kidding, that's your family. Um, And then the story kind of went dark for a while Mm -hmm. until October 21st, 2009, when Thierry Tilly took a trip to Zurich and found himself totes under arrest because the (laughs) cops had been tapping his fucking phone. Under arrest in Zurich. Once he was arrested, Guillaume, who'd been super close, uh, w- uh, super close to Tilly and gunning for his job, allowed himself to be exfiltrated by a team sent over from France. Like a team came over, like we're going to get you oh, out of get this. Get you out of here. However, it was never explained like exactly how Guillaume could be liberated from the influence of a man with whom, <laughs> according to several accounts, he had not been in touch with for a year. Because Guillaume's relationship with Tilly was gone because he was trying to get in with Gonzalez. Right, right, right. He's like, I'm going to go right to the top. I'm going to go right to the top. A month later, um, Daniel Pitcoin uh, exfiltrated the rest of the family from England and Mass and like immediately began deprogramming sessions. Like, yes. They all signed on as plaintiffs to the case that G- Christine had originally brought mm-hmm, against mm-hmm. Tilly, like the torture and shit. Uh, Charles Henri dropped his suit against Guillaume and reconciled with his wife, Christine. Ghislaine moved back in with Jean Marchand, her ex-husband, who said, astoundingly, his wife had no trouble readjusting to normal life. She's not different in any way at all. Uh, <laughs> okay. After his, you consider taking a men's weekend? Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. After his arrest, Thierry Tilly flipped on the mysterious Gonzalez. The mysterious, the mysterious Gonzalez. Gonzalez. When the police showed up to hit, arrest him, the like, Surprise! There's no blue light foundation. What? What? No, but there's a blue light special. Gonzalez. So whenever the police showed up to arrest Gonzalez, they found thirty-four thousand euros in cash, along with numerous objects, including lithographs, watches of great value, bottles of fine vintage wines, and an opulent wardrobe. Yes. They found a BMW six forty-five with another eighty-six thousand euros in the trunk. 
What? And that same day that Gonzalez was arrested, also in Paris, the police ar- arrested a second man known only as Pascal <laughs> and was described by a court spokesperson to be a go-between who received money and other property from the Diva Dreams for delivery to Gonzalez. Okay. He's, he's Jean Doe numero deux. <laughs> Both Gonzalez and Pascal were taken to Bordeaux, jailed and charged with possession <laughs> of criminally obtained property and complicity in the crimes of taking advantage of the weakness of a person in a state of psychological or physical subjection, extortion, fraud, and money laundering. I like that it's like, that it's not, that it's more specific than just extortion and fraud. Yeah, it's like you're taking, also taking advantage of people who are in a state of psychological or physical subjection. Uh You know, Um, there ought to be a law about this sort of thing. Gonzalez, who had no previous criminal record, was also charged with failure to report assets by a person in ongoing collusion with a perpetrator of extortion. In November 2010, Thierry Tilly and Jacques Gonzalez were found guilty of brainwashing the Diva Dream family between 2001 and 2009. And the court also found the pair guilty of kidnapping and torture with acts of barbarism. Judge Marie Elizabeth Bancal sentenced Thierry Tilly to eight years and Gonzalez to four years behind bars and had this to say... Tilly and Gonzalez were the authors of a Machiavellian conspiracy. Over nine years, Tilly was able to exploit the Fishers and a family by taking advantage of their history and situation. In addition, the two men were ordered to reimburse more than 5 million euros, which is about $6.2 million to the family. Included in that sum is the 505,000 euros, about $628,000, to be paid in damages to the Vidrines. And as far as I know, nobody's seen any money. But they're still in prison for like four whole years. Tilly was eight and Gonzalez was four in 2010. So, great. Okay. Well, that sounds like an adequate punishment. Indeed. <laughs> but then the, the family kind of, like, went back to normal, and, like, Charles Henry became a gynecologist again. Yeah, and okay. They got <laughs> just... their, their chateau and all of its furniture is still gone. Yeah. Oh. So, Tulti. that is Thierry Tilly, who... It's like a uh, forced a cult onto a family. family. Yeah, that's really good. That was a very interesting story. It right? was... Thank you very fucking much. Fucking crazy. Yeah. That is nutso. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> formidable. Okay, so let me say, and okay. for we did not score your cult. Oh, that's true. We forgot to score. I my assume the, the score is a scroll. It is, it, but it's a what? it's a legitimately acquired scroll. <laughs> a legitimately. Oh, so it's scroll. like a nice scroll. It's not just like a piece of plastic and shit. Like you're no, but it here. is. But I, I let people come to my house in order. To oh, okay. <laughs> there okay. you go. Mm. I don't know how to score this one other than you get Uh, a a certificate from like La Secretary, La Femme Secretary. Okay, and a subscription to Charlie Hebdo. (laughs) Boom! Boom! No! 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 Kill racist. Okay, um, I just want, let's see, we've got Japan and. I would like a croissant and a boba tea, and I'm ready to go. I know, right? <laughs> That's it. Sounds good to me. Okay. Mm. Mm. All right, you guys. All right. Well, all right. I know that we have one regular listener in France. I hope we still have you next week. Oh, my yeah, God. Please sorry. report. Please report. Please, please write to us. Please, please tell us something please about this. Please write to us. That's Once true. again, my sources, like there was the Vanity Fair article, Angel, uh, Aristocrats and Demons, which uh-huh. is super good. Uh, the, and like yeah, the YouTube, the cult of Thierry Tilly is that like is very five good. parts, 
and it gave me like too much information. Right. Wow. You're just like, I am overwhelmed. I'm by overwhelmed. This that was fascinating though. It's yeah. fucking crazy. Fascinating. Uh-huh. I know, like well, like what a weird little like little niche thing. Yes. Uh-huh. Like yes, sort of yes. con to get into uh-huh. when the little like yeah, there's some like, you know, vestigial aristocrats. But it involved you know, the Freemasons and some aristocrats. Well the yeah. fact that you could show up and say that the Masons are out to get you and this whole fucking family is like oh, fuck. Shit. Like, yeah. oh my I'm God. trapped in my house because yeah. there may be masons. Snipers. Mason snipers around. No, the snipers house. are around the house to protect you That's right. from, the, from masons the masons that are lurking I'm, everywhere. I'm thinking of that scene, the the dream scene from a Christmas story where he's protecting his family <laughs> yeah. from black heart. That's what it is. It's Only it's like just old men and Freemasons in aprons. Aprons and lambskin gloves. <laughs> lambskin gloves. Trying to sneak in and steal your Christmas tree. Les Maisons. Limoges Christmas tree. I don't know. They're trying to come and get you and kill your family because they want this fucking sweet ass property in the seventh Andresmont. Arrondissement. Arrondissement. <laughs> and P.S. Also, Masons are really big in real estate in France. Is that true? Wait, t- tell us, please. Uh, tell us. Are Freemasons yeah. really big in France? I'm going to Google Freemasons France. And we'll find out. Dot co. Dot fr. <laughs> dot co. Dot fr. <laughs> Masons. <laughs> Slash. Mason's. Mason's. <laughs> dot horse. <laughs> Sorry, dot chevalier. Oh. All right. Ready? Oh, <laughs> Madness Madness is hosted by Aaron Byrne and Amanda Clay with occasional outbursts from Brian Byrne, who is me. Brian Byrne records and edits the show. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please, if you enjoy the show, uh, rate us and leave a review. Leaving reviews helps people find the show. And the more people listen to the show, the more people you'll have to talk about the show with. I mean, just mull that over. You can also listen to us online at madnessmadnesspodcast.com. You can find links to our social media on madnessmadnesspodcast.com. You can email us your thoughts about stuff at madnessmadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>